My goal is to make Wyoming the freest state in the nation. I intend to do that by, number one, protecting, actively protecting personal freedoms. Okay. Number two is pursuing government accountability. And number three is promoting state sovereignty. We do all that, then uh, we'll be the free state in the nation. Once again, we have a full house at the Ramble Room. I'm Ken. I'm here with my wife, Diane. Uh, Garrett Linderman is here. Hello, Garrett. Hi, Ken. How are you? Um, Dandy, thanks for asking. Along with him is another doctor, Tom Kelly. Welcome. Uh, I never left. I've been on your couch since the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Are you couch surfing, Tom? You mean piled (laughs) higher and deeper. That voice you just heard, you may recognize as none other than David Iverson of Cowboy State Politics. Welcome back. Hi, He's, he's pretty well has adopted a spot on that sofa as well. <laughs> Our special guest today is Brent Bien, and we'll let him explain who he is and what he's about. Um, I understand that you believe, as I do, that we need a governor with some cojones. We do. We do, Ken. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, etc. Thanks. Okay. Uh, again, my name is Brent Bien. Uh, last name gets butchered all the time, but it's simply pronounced a B and an N. Uh, I am a native of this great state. I uh, went to UW, uh, graduated the Engineering College. Uh, the same day, I was uh, commissioned as a lieutenant in the Marine Corps, and then uh, went off uh, to uh, to do the Marine thing for about 28 and a half years, although I did maintain my Wyoming residency the whole time. I called it my Wyoming citizenship, because I think we know that uh, Wyoming is uh, it's, its own way of life, and it's a fantastic way of life. But I uh, went off to fly, flew uh, Super Cobra attack helicopters, and then uh, recently at the end of 2019, uh, got out. Um, uh, originally from Laramie, but uh, relocated up here to Sheridan. And uh, I found this community to be very, very, very nice. And uh, nicer than any other duty station I've been stationed, I can tell you that right now. But uh, I'm glad to be back in Wyoming. Uh, the whole time uh, I was gone, uh, I did... Uh, I did. Uh, I voted in all the elections. Obviously, absentee. Uh, in fact, the last one was the first time I voted uh, in state in quite a while. But I've kept up with state politics uh, a lot. Of course, national and international, and uh, all of it ties together. You know, it all ties together. Whatever happens internationally, either on uh, even on the national level, naturally affects us here in Wyoming in some way. So uh, what I what I see though is uh, uh, I see a. Uh, uh, a sense of federal dependency, federal overreach, and uh, I see uh, quite a few state governors, including our own, that's not willing to stand up against it. So there were there were a few triggers through my life that uh, made me want to do this and made me look at doing this. Uh, the first one actually happened back in 1993 when uh, I was down in flight school down in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, it was shortly after the, the inauguration of Bill Clinton. I couldn't believe that, uh, that he had gotten in. And uh, so one day I was out fishing, and I said, you know, one of these days I'm going to be the governor of Wyoming. And uh, so fast forward, uh, we had two recent triggers for me. Uh, the first is is when uh, uh, Mark Gordon shut this state down. There was absolutely no reason to shut this state down at all. Uh, you know, Wyoming is strongest when Wyoming's freest. That's just the way it is. And that goes with the rest of our nation. Uh, and then... Uh, the final was uh, when Donald Trump did not get uh, reelected. And the reason primarily for that is uh, we don't have anybody that's truly standing up for our freedom right now. 
uh, either at the state level and particularly the federal level. So that brings us uh, to where we are now and, uh, and my, uh, my quest to, uh, to get down to Cheyenne. There's a lot of work to get to a place nobody wants to be. <laughs> we, were just, we were just chatting about that earlier because yeah. Tom Kelly is, is running as well right. for state superintendent of public instruction. And the question was, well, would you have to move to Cheyenne? And we decided that we'd find any way around that. Yeah, a- absolutely but, not. Right, exactly. Why, why I would not want to be Governor Brent. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I picked on, Sheridan Tom. on purpose. And it's government housing. I'm sure you're familiar with government familiar. housing as well. Yes, I'm sure you are. <laughs> what do you got, David? I just want to know why, why you would intentionally put yourself in a position to, to have to be part of the swamp. I mean, if you look at our legislative session, you know, we spent well over half a billion dollars. That all happened in one day, by the way. It was It was almost amazing. an afterthought, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. And the crazy part about that is they just, they just ended spending half a billion dollars. And then another, another amendment comes up to fix a road. And I, I can't remember the dollar number attached to it, but in comparison to half a billion dollars, it was nothing. And then everybody jumped up and said, oh, no, 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 we can't throw money at a problem. That never works. So <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm getting at, Brent, is there's an extraordinary amount of dysfunction that's happening in our capital city. Why, why would you want to be part of that? You know, I mean, you're, you're talking I, about can, moving Can I your jump family. in here just for a second, yeah. David? Yeah, I want just get to, related to that would be this. You don't come across to me as a professional politician who's doing this for his ego or for his for his own personal power. So what David's trying to ask here is why so many people feel like you do about Wyoming and liberty and freedom and the corruption in our government. Why subject yourself to what's going to happen if you win? Why are you doing this? Well, I tell you what, uh, that's that's actually a good question. Um, you know, I've been I guess I've been bellyaching about this so long myself. Uh, I finally said, you know, either put up or shut up. And uh, so last fall, I resigned my job. I was working up here at Bighorn Airways as the uh, director of safety and standardization. A uh, good outfit. And uh, I said, you know, um, I prayed a lot about it, you know. And I said, okay, hey, this state, Cheyenne, is a microcosm of D.C. And I've spent plenty of time in D.C. And uh, I, I tell you, in fact, before I went to Guam, which was my last duty station, I told uh, uh, the the fellow that uh, gives us orders, I said, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'd rather spend three consecutive years in Iraq than one day in D.C. because it's such a mess. But I do look at Cheyenne. Uh, I've, I've seen the lack of discipline, the lack of fiscal discipline. Uh, and I, I sense right now that uh, a lot of it stems from when you see the end state of tyranny, um, not just once but multiple times, and you see that we're a stone's throw away from it, from a breath away from it, uh, it's like, you know, we, somebody's got to stand up and, and, and say no. And um, uh, I do not see that type of leadership. I see a very passive, uh, reactive type of leadership down in Cheyenne. Uh, uh, so I'm bringing to the table a very proactive, uh, active type of leadership to it. Now, believe me, I'm under no misconception. I'm, I've, I've worked plenty with the governments of uh, North Carolina with Guam, with the Commonwealth of the Northern Marianas, with the governments of Japan, and, and of course our federal government, and there's bureaucracy no matter where you look at it. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, far left organizations I've worked with, with, uh, and I'm the one that's found common ground of all things, if you can imagine that, to finally get to the end state. 
But uh, uh, like I say, I think I think Wyoming, you know, we live in the greatest nation uh, in the history of the world. And Wyoming just happens to be the greatest state and the greatest nation in the history of the world. And uh, it's, you know, our nation is is strong because it's it's free. You know, you don't have 2.5 plus million people migrating here illegally because we're a white supremacist, uh, systemically racist nation. They have them, they're coming here because of freedom, you know. And uh, is it yeah. is it freedom or maybe is it some free checks? Well, that's that's probably true too. I yeah. sometimes I sometimes yeah. wonder yeah. because it used yeah. to be yeah. you know give me your tired your poor yeah. you're right they were you're coming right. over here they yeah. were trying to find a place yeah. where finally I can go create my own yeah. whatever you're right. you're right and lately it just seems like they're coming across because if you go over there they'll give you a hundred grand yeah you get health care you can bring your whole family. So my question then to be to you mm-hmm. is why should what what makes you think you can do something about it? Uh, because I'll say no, I'll say no to federal overreach, without a doubt, and I'll do it unhesitatingly. Uh, I I can tell you, you know, I've I've successfully led Marines into combat. I know how to make decisions. Uh, not and of course not not uh, once, but multiple times. Uh, I know how to make decisions uh, with with uh, a majority of information, not all of it. And I'm willing to stand behind it, uh, whatever decisions I make. Uh, I do, though. I, I am able to work with with folks, you know. So regardless of where they stand politically, if their cause is to further freedom in our state, I'll work with them, as long as that's the cause. Uh, you know, my goal my goal is to make Wyoming the freest state in the nation. And uh, there's several several outfits out there. I'm sure you guys have seen that uh, that kind of rate states on where they stand. Okay, on that. Um, Cato actually does a pretty good job. They've been doing this using pretty much the same variables for the last 20 plus years. So I, I kind of stick with them. But, you know, we're, we're at the top of the bottom half right now. You know, we're at number 26. So now, and I was called out on this not too long ago. I was by there. A fella. You yeah. were there. You were there, right? Some, some fella came up here, moved up here from Colorado. And he said, hey, I moved up here because Wyoming's freer. Well, if the primary variables there, and of course they're broken down into multiple, are personal freedoms, fiscal discipline, and regulatory. And, of course, there's a bunch of subsets underneath there that uh, have it. And uh, so I, you know, I told a fellow, I said, hey, I'm, I'm with you, you know. But you look at Wyoming, and we have six people per square mile. I mean, what is it, two people per square mile is a frontier? So we're not that far off, right? Which is, and that's, it's, it's, I mean, Wyoming's a way of life. I mean, our vistas, it's, it's so beautiful here. And there is a sense of freedom. There's a perception of freedom, right? But reality, perception and reality don't line up here. Policies and perception don't line up. So my objective is to make the policies line up with the perception to where we truly are the freest state in the nation. And without legalizing pot. We're not legalizing pot, I can tell you that right now. Um, and uh, so that's, that's the goal. Uh, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, if people really understand that, I mean, I have no, I have, I'm not doing this for any self-aggrandizement, for any personal enrichment, for anything like that. Uh, uh, it really is, uh, I, I, I love this state, I love this country, I'm loyal to it. Uh, I've served it almost my entire adult life, and I hate to see where it's going. Well, here's here's the challenge I see, okay. and we're on the same page when it comes to you talk federal overreach. But as a political scientist, as somebody who's not blessed to have been born in Wyoming but came here by choice, we've both spent a lot of time outside of the state. So a lot of people who've spent most of their life and most of their time within Wyoming don't see exactly what's happening because they haven't seen what's happened 
to formerly free states such as California and Illinois, which right. are now that's right. socialist police states. Yeah. And that's not an understatement if you've been in those places in the last two years. Unfortunately, the way the federal government overreaches, we already know what it is. And this is why I'm running for superintendent. I noticed that education in the state is based around how much money can we get from the federal government. And now we see that going on. We saw that down in Cheyenne with the legislators. They're like, oh, we've got the spending bonanza because the federal government gave us all this money. So that's what you're fighting. You are fighting legislators. You are fighting interest groups. You are fighting people in Wyoming who have become addicted to that federal money. And we know how people act when their source of addiction is taken away from them. So how do you battle that down in Cheyenne when so many people have become accustomed just waiting for the federal printing press? Well, one of, one of the ways is top-down, wall-to-wall budgetary and staffing audits. Okay, we have not done one in, in the research I've done. I mean, complete audit, okay, since the late 80s, 1989, 1990. I mean, complete, okay. So I don't think this government, our state government, really knows how much money it actually needs to operate. Okay, I mean, you look at the number of state employees we have here, including education. You know, we're sitting at 63, 64,000 state employees. So and, and you, you look at that with the total number of, of folks that can be or, you know, that are of employment age or whatever. It's about 280,000. I mean, you're talking one in four. Okay, well, that's like the whole town of Casper. It is. You're right. Yes. You're, you're absolutely right. And I'm thinking, OK, wait a minute. We're 580,000 people and we need that many people in this state to run it you got to be kidding me. But you're right. Money, money is the drug. There's, without a doubt, there's no question. And uh, uh, I see all these pet projects. You know, obviously, Dave, you, you guys know the numbers uh, so much better than I do. And I've, I've been watching this whole thing as it's been unfolding over the last uh, several weeks. Um, and and uh, I have a hard time believing that nobody's standing up and saying, no, we're not doing it. You know, now, you talk about being and seeing the rest of the nation. Let's just take roads. I know a lot of people here, a lot of people who've been in this state for a long time, you know, think that maybe our roads aren't that great. Well, shoot, I've driven in every state except for two, and that just happens to be North Dakota and Vermont. I've driven all over Europe, uh, Australia and the Far East and uh, the Middle East. And, uh, um, and I can tell you the only other roads truly that I've seen that are better than ours and I'm talking nationally, you're probably in Norway because they spend so much, you know, you're going through across a fjord or you're going through a mountain, you know, and they spend so much money over there. And uh, but then, you know, you, you travel all around the, the, the country and you see our roads. It's like, holy smokes, you know, what's everybody bellyaching about? Uh, I understand some you know, there's there's some room there. And I also I also look at the way our DOT is run and uh, how it falls underneath the governor and uh, how that's along with audits. You know, that, uh, you know, initially our examiner, that was there's a reason why auditory authority sits outside of of the governor's office, as it should. Right. For conflict of interest. And that's what we don't want. You want a completely objective. This is how this works. And then once we figure out, OK, how much, you know, what it really costs and how many people it really does, then you take a look at it and kind of go from there. Assuming that you go back to the Constitution and say right. this is what we should be doing. That's right. And cut out the slack. That's right. So let's talk about another another specific policy. Um, a, a lot of what's happening in the world can be traced directly to bad energy policy. And, you know, when, when a nation becomes dependent upon another for their energy, um, it affects so many different facets of their state. Right. So in Wyoming, uh, 
Former Governor Mike Sullivan once said that if Wyoming had the economy of, say, uh, a New York or a Texas, with the amount of natural resources we have, we would be a world superpower by ourselves. Coal, natural gas, oil, uranium, you name it. Now, Governor Gordon, he, he pretty much allowed our coal export port to be shut down in Oregon. Right. And what that, the reason why that transpired is the legislature had a bill that would have um, allowed us to fight to keep that, that export port open. Governor Gordon vetoed it. Right. And right. then he acted too late to open it back up. So the the huge increase in coal sales that that we've seen recently has all been domestic sales. Like almost, virtually none of it is foreign sales. So if you were to be elected governor, what would you do specifically to help a get that coal export port open and b to to further domestic and international sales of Wyoming coal? Well, I think the first thing is to change the messaging paradigm. I think I think that, uh, you know, you have a gr- whole group of folks that Tom kind of uh, alluded to earlier that have been inculcated in this belief that fossil fuels are bad. Well, to power all these electric cars, I mean, coal's the power that, I mean, it's the future, right? And we've got the cleanest coal. I mean, these guys are pumping out 720 tons of coal per minute. I mean, that's unbelievable, you know, the amount of coal production there. But we also know it's down significantly from 10, 12 years ago. I mean, a lot. You know, our, uh, uh, you know, regrettably, our our, our state economies. Um, uh, well, I don't. I'm not sure if regrettably is the right word there, but uh, so much of it is based on natural resources. Uh, I do. So right now we produce uh, roughly about 14 times more energy than we actually consume. Okay, I want to bump that up to 20. Okay, that's what I want to do. How? Uh, well. Reduce regs. Okay, now when it comes down, and that, that's, that's probably the key thing. Here's, here's the other thing, too. is So I looked into uh, energy permitting across the board. Okay, so whether it's gas, oil, coal, uh, nuke, thermo, hydro, wind, solar, there's, they're all, there's, there's no standard permitting process, right? It's like, okay. And naturally, all of them get some sort of subsidy, right? Uh, I can't do anything about the federal subsidy, but on the state side, it's like, oh, wait a second here. Uh, and then you kind of take a look at uh, at wind, and it's like, okay, does wind is is wind really disrupting the boundary layer above the earth? Because everything, particularly if you're an aviator, right, uh, you understand that there's a boundary layer over every surface that wind goes across, right? So as soon as you disrupt that, you're disrupting the the flow of air across. You're disrupting the the climate, you know, the immediate climate over it, and you know, so what's really happening there? And uh, but I look at this and I'm like, okay, proportionally, we do know that across the board, all these have one common denominator, and that's the kilowatt or, or you know the power output, right? Uh, and I look at it, and again, when I all these years when I was when I was away, I didn't realize uh, that there were 1,800 turbines being built in uh, the the Shirley Basin, right, and across that area, you know. And I used to uh, try to explain to folks what wide open meant, and that's what. You know, my, my remembrance of that was Medicine Bow, you know, all the way to Rollins. I mean, that's kind of what it was, you know. And, uh, but now uh, it's not necessarily decluttered like it once was before. But uh, I do think the permitting process has to be standardized across the board. Number one, we're going to, we got to somehow get our regs and review them all. So here, here's what I'll tell you along those lines. So any bill that comes before my desk, okay, whether it's a regulation, law, whatever it is, there has to be at least two nominations for recension. Okay, at least two, particularly with regs. Okay, 
And for crying out loud, we have over 600 and some odd laws in the state, and I, I have no clue which, you know, what all of them stand for. So, uh, you know, we got to get this stuff back in the box, back in check, uh, and simplify our government. I mean, when our founders, as you guys know, when our founders built the government, it was not intended to be so, so complex, you know. I mean, uh, we should be able to grab any high school student or any high school graduate and have them come down, just like you were mentioning earlier, be able to read these bills, read these laws, and completely understand them, right? But they can't. Shoot, I can't even understand the doggone things uh, half the time. And it is because of lobbyists. It's because of bureaucrats, which, in my mind, okay, they are empowered, okay, by politicians who, quite frankly, can't see the electorate beyond the mirror. They just can't. They're so self-centered. Uh, there's always something in it for them. You know, I was talking uh, John Winter over there in, in uh, Hot Springs County, and he's been working real hard to try to get money for Hot Springs State Park. That's a state park, right? That's a state park. Uh, so we've been talking a little bit, and it's been a while since I've talked to him, but uh, after the last special session uh, last fall, which could have been completely avoided, okay, if we had a governor with some leadership there, uh, to have the courage to come up and say, okay, we're not doing vax mandates, we're not doing mass mandates, and we're not doing vax passports, period. Okay, we wouldn't have had to spend $25,000 a, a day or whatever the heck it was. So I asked John afterward, I said, so what would 200000 just say? You know, just that money, how far could that have gone? And But that's our state park. I mean, you know, we, we have an interest in that. But, um, uh, but, but energy is the foundation, Dave, without a doubt, for, for this state. And, and, you know, fracking, the, the, the oil extraction, you know, I like what Montana did. I mean, they just came out and said, hey, we're going to, some of these dormant, these dormant uh, rigs, let's start them up again. You know, that's what we should be doing here. Well, I I'm mean, we should be doing that. I'm glad you said that because that's one of my own thoughts is where, yeah. where do we as Wyoming, our state's right start and being able to say, hey, you know, Washington, we're going to start fracking. We're yeah. going to start drilling again. Because in my discussions with landmen, apparently Wyoming has a rule in which if you have a hostile member of that group that's drilling, you can just, uh, the rest of them can say, tough noogies, we're going to go drill anyways. And yeah. so I don't see why the state hasn't started to do that like Montana has. All right, right. Yeah. But I, I want to back up to yeah. your whole discussion about COVID. Okay. What was your rationale? <clears throat> for saying we shouldn't have done this? Why shouldn't, the, what was your rationale for the, for the government, for telling the governor that we shouldn't do this? Okay, well, i tell you what. Uh, so at the outfit locally here, I was working at Big Horn Airways. I was the COVID, I was director of safety standardization. I was the COVID guy, okay? So, so uh, once a week, you know, I'd put, put briefs together for the staff and we'd kind of go over this. And as soon as Fauci came out, and said, oh, no, everybody starts wearing masks. Okay, then I started asking questions. I'm like, okay, what is really going on with this? Started doing a lot of research, thinking, okay, wait a second here. This guy's the director of CDC all of a sudden changing his mind. Okay, and then you started seeing this big, this big push, okay, you know, everybody, you know, hey, get on board. And we, I think we have to remember that the left's ultimate agenda is uh, compliance, conformance, and control, right? They want complete autonomy over you. You're not allowed to have autonomy over yourself. So when I saw that, and, and again, a lot of this goes back to, and, you know, I don't know how to, how to best describe this, but when you truly see the end state of tyranny and when you look into folks' eyes who don't know what freedom is, every decision except for the most minor decisions are made for them, right? Um, and I've, thankfully, I've, I've never had to live without freedom, but uh, uh, I don't want to go there. So when I, when I see this, uh, and then when I saw how uh, we, we basically shut down our economy, our state, uh, and I see the contraction that happened really over about a two-month period, right? 
I mean, we're only talking about two months there when we had that COVID recession. And, you know, people weren't driving, so naturally that, that hit uh, fossil fuels. Uh, tourism was down, so that hit the leisure and, you know, those kind of things. Uh, construction was down, although people were starting to flock here, you know, as soon as, uh, as, soon as uh, you know, things were, as soon as they kind of figured out that, hey, Wyoming's a place to go, right? And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, actually plays out in the long run here. Um, and, uh, but what I will tell you is, like I said before, uh, Wyoming is Wyoming's strongest when the people are freest. I'm telling you, we are. And, and the thing is, is, you know, I did like what Christy Nome did and some of these other governors that said, no, we're not doing that. You know, we will make sure that the folks have as much information, objective, accurate information as we can give them. If we screw up, hey, guys, we messed up. This is it. Um, and tell them so they can make the decisions, their own personal health care decisions, like what's written in our, our, our state constitution, you know. Well, I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot of mistakes that were made on, in that process. And my background is molecular genetics. So as soon, okay. as, as soon as I saw the PCR assay, yeah. and anybody that's done PCR knows that anything beyond 30 cycles gets you trash. And they were running okay. 42, 45 cycles until okay. word salad got into the office and they changed it back to 30. And so there's a whole lot of different things going on. But previous, you and Tom were talking about the addiction of the money. And everything else, and it, it we saw it happen in the healthcare, especially around COVID, right? Because there's all that. Well, uh, yes, correct me if I'm wrong here, but we had one case of COVID in this state when we de when the, the governor declared yeah an emergency one one case one case right. Thinking uh, okay, uh, yeah, I, I want to go on that again with the federal money because the way Wyoming loses its sovereignty, the way it stops becoming free, is going to be federal incentives. And the one I'm thinking of particularly right now, I know Governor Gordon is going after and he's working with uh, Utah and I think uh, New Mexico and Colorado, um, the hydrogen hub. The federal government is dangling $8 billion. And as they always do, they're promising jobs and prosperity and all wonderful things. If here's our huge list of regulations and hoops to jump through and strings attached, and we'll give you all this money, and our governor is currently diving headfirst into this. How do you fight this? Now, I'm not talking practically um, in terms of economics and, and philosophy of liberty. I'm talking politically. How do you fight it when the media all over the state will be saying things that, such as the governor stands against jobs? When you say no to this federal money, no, we're not going to be putting on the dog and pony show. No, we're not going to be putting Tesla, re uh, not Tesla, but electric car recharging stations in the middle of nowhere when nowhere, nobody has them. How do you present this to the people of Wyoming is a good idea to say no to all, all that money and all those jobs? Well, when it comes down to green energy... Um, I'm for market-driven green energy, okay, but it has to be market-driven. And, and I, I see where you're going there, Tom. I think uh, one of the things with the H2 plant that I'm concerned about is uh, uh, how are we going to it, – it's a messaging thing. There's no question. It's a messaging thing. And, and the people of the state have to be uh, – they have to understand all the facts other than the fluff that's going to be told to them. And, and that's a hard thing to do, you know, because the, the, uh, you know, the average person, you know, spends roughly seven minutes a week on politics – you know, and uh, so me. It's, and uh, <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> you're no one would level. call yeah, you average. You're lying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the outlier that yeah, skews yeah, the yeah, average. Yeah, I think this whole room is a little bit of an outlier, but that's <laughs> well, and you know, you know that's, <laughs> but uh, <coughs> uh, and you know the typical conservative wants two things: they want their freedom and they want to be left alone. And and you know, you talk to these ranchers that spend 14 hours on the back of a tractor. I mean, shoot. That's that's what our, the representatives are for, uh, to do that. Um, but uh, I I think what we have to do is is do a, a cost benefit analysis, an objective one, and say, okay, do we really want to do this where you guys want to do it? Because are we going to drain the North Platte or what? What are we actually going to do? We start sinking these thousand plus foot deep wells to to drain all the other ranchers in the area and all the other farmers in the area, and and I think I think uh, you know I think one one of the other things that i throw out there's exactly what we've done with uh, 0174 original hb 74 is like okay hey look this is the bill of sale that was given to the folks in Kimmerer, right but we know that shoot these react if, if it does go through and i can assure you folks that any deal that i made any deal that i make right the number one thing there will be does this benefit the folks of the people in wyoming okay so let's talk about some of those okay. some of those folks all right um you're a military guy um, so in Wyoming, we have the 115th Battalion um, down at F.E. Warren Air Force Base. Well, actually, they're all, all over the state, but Wyoming's big National Guard unit is the 115th Battalion. And they have a, they have a habit of getting shipped out, you know, among the, the, the first units to deploy. So as governor, um, how often should our National Guard folks be deployed overseas or, or anywhere, for that matter? Yeah, or to the capital for- yeah, well, that's where I was headed with that. <laughs> yeah, how often? Not there. Well, that's that's tough to say, Dave. It, it all based on on uh, on the situation. But here's what I will say, say on this: um, I I think that uh, that's not. So we just got done drastically with our la- our longest war, right in Afghanistan. What a what a disaster it was, and living through all that. Uh, the operational forces, the fleet forces, the ones that are active duty, right, they get in these deployment cycles that are crazy. So you have to, every once in a while, I'm not going to say you have to, but but to fill in some of the voids, to give respite to some of the uh, Title X forces, is that, we okay, we had to bring the reserves in or potentially National Guard, right? Um, I will tell you that uh, uh, when it comes down to deploying our National Guard, um, the one thing I do know how to do is command uh, military forces. And I also know the cost it associated with it, both the fiscal cost and the human toll associated with that. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to project exactly uh, when that would happen or what we would do. Uh, but, you know, my intention would be to keep those guys here as long as we can. I mean, there's just no there's no there's no reason that, uh, you know, uh, uh, that we need to do what we're doing with them. And um, uh and again, the, the cost is, is, is borne by, by us, right? On them. And that costs a lot of money to deploy a force, you know? So it has to be, it has to be I mean, it, it, it has to be completely uh, worth doing, which uh, I, I really, quite frankly, have not seen a single reason since I've been back here to deploy in it. I just haven't. I haven't seen one in a long time. Yeah. And having been deployed a couple of times, I think I have a little opinion on that. Yeah, but yeah. I'm I sure want to go back to energy. Okay. Um, I was reading, doing a little bit of research because there was all this hype about electric cars and a little bit of research. And I don't know for sure that I have the numbers right, but 
the way I remember it was coal was responsible for about 40% of the electricity generated. Um, natural gas, about 20%. Petroleum, 1%. Wind, another solar, another 8 or 9%. And nuclear, 10%. So Bill Gates and others have this great idea that we're going to build a nuclear power plant in Kemmerer, which is within not that many miles of one of the largest reserves of uranium in the world. Mm. But we're not going to use Wyoming uranium. That's right. No, we're going to use Russian uranium because they cook it better. Yeah. So they'll have less to make their own bombs. Well, that's, <laughs> you know, that had a lot to do with Hillary Clinton, yeah. right? When she what, was what, is, what do you as the governor do? How do you stand up and fight that? If it's presented to you that we want to build this power plant here, mm -hmm. whether the people want it or not, and we're going to build it our way, and we're going to get the fuel rods from Russia. What's your response? Well, I tell you, the, the way this deal's going down, it's, it seems like it's going down, uh, that would never happen with me. I'm telling you, because Wyoming's not, I don't, I don't see how Wyoming's benefiting from this deal. And I also think that choosing partners is very important. Uh, okay, I mean, you have to, you have to understand the, you know, the character of the folks with, with whom you're dealing. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm not a fan okay of the partnership we're going in and and i tell you what <clears throat> um you know back in in 2008 or shortly thereafter when uh um obama decided to call china as our competitor okay that's a different completely different paradigm to calling them our adversary okay they are our adversary without a doubt okay uh and so i and it's a completely different mindset right so when in this state, okay, when you if you see an aircraft carrier do do sea trials. If I see an aircraft carrier in this state, yeah. <laughs> well, then something's wrong, right? Yeah, time okay. to get some sleep. <laughs> but, but when you see that, you realize just the power associated with nuclear. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. Um. Uh. So you know, I think I think it it would it it's it would behoove us to get on the on the forward edge of of the nuclear stuff. I mean, they're coming out with very small you know these smaller reactors, but they should be built here in America, you know. We should be using uranium from this state or this. I mean, not not bringing this stuff back over from Russia. I mean, that that doesn't make any sense. But we choose our partners, and I'm hoping that one, you know, one seven four doesn't go as it changed the the uh, the megawatt output there. Um, but we have to choose our partners wisely, right? So when I look for folks out there to come to this state, uh, one, they're going to have uh, definitely an America first. Uh, agenda, American First Outlook, right? And they're going to uh, also have the same outlook with Wyoming, right? Uh, there's, there's, you know, one of the one of those big guys, and I'll never call them elites. Okay, there's only one elite. Okay, and uh, we everybody else puts their pants on one leg at a time. Okay, that happens to be our creator. But you know, as as I look at these guys, and I think, okay, there there is one of them out there who thinks a little bit differently, right? He's a non-parochial guy, and I think the reason is is because he's from South Africa, you know, and he's he's a very he, he's got all these he, he does have some pretty in, uh, you know uh, genuine thoughts in his mind. That's that's Elon Musk, you know. It's like okay, you know, uh, if somebody like that, so you know, or or somebody along those lines wanted to do something, then yeah, I think as long as it's in the best interest of Wyoming. But I'm telling you, folks, partnership matters, okay. And and you know, I actually did confront. Uh, the governor a while back face-to-face -face on this specific thing. And, uh, you know, my questions were, is 
what's in it for Bill Gates? What's in it for Warren Buffett? How do the people of Wyoming benefit? And then ultimately, what's what's in it for you, Gov? And uh, and there was there was it was silence on all right. And uh, it was a sh- it was a sh- brief conversation, but but uh, you know we and and that's why character matters. Character matters so much with people, you know. And because um, uh, as you guys know, I mean, the strength of every relationship, whatever it is, is all based on one word, and that's trust, right? So so you know these folks that come in here, uh, you know if if. You know, when I look and I see any deals that are thrown out on the table, my number one thing is how is this going to benefit the people of Wyoming, number one. And then the other the other things will fall into place after that. It's so go ahead. Go ahead, Ken. It's been said that brevity is the soul of wit. And mm-hmm. anyone who is running for office has been told one of the things you've got to do is create your own elevator speech. So you've got, say, 30 seconds, 45 seconds on a ride. Okay. Elevator ride with somebody. They lean over and say, "Who are you? I'm Brent Bien. I'm running for governor." And their question is, "Why? What's your? Give us your elevator speech." <laughs> okay. Go. My, <laughs> <laughs> I just lost two there. Okay. My goal is to make Wyoming the freest state in the nation. I intend to do that by number one, protecting actively protecting personal freedoms. Okay. Number two is pursuing government accountability, and number three is promoting state sovereignty. We do all that then uh, we'll be the free state in the nation. That was less than 30, though, by the it way. It was good. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a fact that your, your personal freedom is directly connected to your economic freedom. And in Wyoming, um, we don't have a lot of economic freedom, specifically because we spend a tremendous amount of money on different state programs, the biggest of which is education. Every year, education spending in the state of Wyoming goes up roughly by about $200 million. Um, I've heard some estimates that within six to eight years, education spending will bankrupt this state. So as the governor, what's the very first thing you're going to do to get education spending under control? School choice. And then very similar, Arizona runs an outfit kind of like it's called the backpack fund, where those dollars uh, follow the kid. Okay, so you get these kids, and and anytime you start you start doing that, you introduce competition, right? Competition drives up quality, even if it's public versus private, right? It it drives it up and it drives costs down, right? And what we want, if we're going to be spending eighteen thousand dollars a year on a on a child, I mean that's a college tuition. These kids should be top of the nation, considering it is pretty much top of the nation, right? Uh, but no, that that is it right there, and transparency in education. And I tell you, I uh, when I look at this, and I know Tom's sitting right here. This is why we both got <laughs> to get down there, go. guys. This is why we both got to get down there. You know, the the hot ticket right now is CRT, right? Critical race theory. You got the sixteen nineteen project, right? You got SEL, social emotional learning. We got DEI, you know, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Equality is a good word. Equity is not a good word. Right. Well, it's not it's not how they're using it. Right. Exactly. But, you know, there's all these undertones there. OK. Dealing with. I've been a student of the Pacific for a long time and dealing one on one with actual Chinese nationals. I mean, they are taught Chinese exceptionalism, kind of like we used to be taught. You know, I do 100 percent believe in American exceptionalism, but it starts with the kids, you know, and you, you guys probably recently saw that poll that came out on who would actually stay and fight for our our country. Right. Kind of like what's going on in Ukraine. Yeah, like 68 percent of Republicans did and like less than 30 percent of Democrats did. And that's alarming. Okay, 
And a, a lot of that has to do with the way these kids have been taught for so many years. And for those of us in this room who've been following this stuff for the last couple of generations, we've seen it coming. We've said, guys, this is coming, it's coming, it's coming. The only good thing about Joe Biden get elected, getting elected is that the veil came off. And now the, the folks out there are seeing it, right? They're actually seeing what's going on. And I think it's great. Unfortunately, it's, it has to happen this way. But that's right away, Dave, that's what I'd push for, school choice. And I'd push for the funds following the kids. I, I got to jump in on that okay. because the idea of introducing some form of market competition is the best way to bring down costs and, and improve uh, quality of education and make sure that parents can actually trust the educational system. There's a poison pill in this school choice. And, and one of the issues is that particularly in some of the rural counties, very high percentages of kids are being homeschooled too. And if families are paying property taxes, they're paying state uh, taxes, um, they should, and they have kids who are school age, they should be getting that money whether they send their kid to a public school or a private school or they homeschool. Now, here's where it gets dangerous. Devil is in the details. If you get a bill that comes in and there are state standards and qualifications saying maybe the local district or the state has to approve of the curriculum before they get the money. Mm -hmm. We are now introducing government power into our own living rooms if we get the wrong type of school choice bill. How will you fight against that? Because as superintendent, I will make sure that does not happen. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. There's more I, than the golf clap. Yeah. Oh, well, we, we fought that. I don't even play golf, I'm basketball. <laughs> Go, Brant. <laughs> I've only played run round of golf, man, in my entire life. I'll do pup up with anybody. Um, uh, you're 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 spot on, Tom. I mean, you're 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 right on. I think that uh, that the curriculum, the curricula that's out there, I think the parents should be involved in that from the get go before it ever gets, you know. And I think there should be review periods, whether it's ninety days prior or whatever, and then the parents take a look at it. And you know, it is incumbent upon the parents to have that interest, you know, in what's being taught. Um, but I do, you know, there's there's that balance because I don't, uh, government overreach, even at the state level, has to be curtailed. There's, you know, without a doubt. Um, uh, so I think that, uh, uh, you know, the more we get the parents involved in the onset of this and the more they understand, hey, you want to homeschool, uh, here are the, uh, you know, maybe there are, I'm not sure how we would how we would define those uh, those uh, criteria for for graduation and those kind of things, but that's something that you and I could work on. And, uh, but to make sure that, uh, that the power still lies uh, in the home and not with the government. You don't, excuse me, you don't dis decide the criteria for graduation for a homeschooler. I don't. No. No, no. No concur. one, no one else does. The parents do. Concur. No, okay. I agree with you. Okay, I agree that's what you. it sounded like to okay, me. I'm sorry. Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. no. Okay, you so just hit a hot button there. <laughs> okay. <You're, laughs> hold on. Let me let me pull that button back up. No, you're right. You're right. You're okay. absolutely right. Okay, because mm -hmm. a high school diploma is not the be all and end all of education. Right. And neither is college. That's right. And we so, know a PhD yeah. sure isn't. No, a PhD <laughs> is not. Yeah. You you were. Had your hand up a little bit ago, Garrett. Yeah, thanks for seeing it. So, Brett, I want to back up to the energy for a moment. Okay. Specifically the topic of the Wyoming Daisy, those windmills. Now, my understanding is, now, oh, the whole left likes to go, oh, they're so wonderful, they provide wind energy. But they provide such a small amount, and then on top of that, they apparently whack the birds, 
they need a lot of fossil fuels to, to be built and to be maintained. And when there's a fire on them, there's a fire on them. And when the blades freeze, use a helicopter and anti and de-icing material to de-ice them. And then, you know, we're now sticking them in the landfills, the, the blades in the landfills. I mean, how do we go about solving that? And you brought up the the ground barrier, which apparently also impacts the weather conditions and the drought right. conditions. That's I right. mean, Wyoming's already drying up. Yeah. I mean, how do we solve this problem? We've got all these Wyoming daisies. Well, the big chainsaw. Big yeah. Chainsaw, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think we all know that uh, the the energy that actually goes into building and producing one of these things is never realized over the life of it, right? Right. Uh, I think though that when it comes down to to the standardization of permitting, and we throw those criteria in there. Number one, I want to bond every single one of these doggone things. Right now, as far as I know, they're not. So, <clears throat> so we prorate out to twenty years. Okay, hey, you're paying up front, you're paying the state, we'll put this in a state fund or whatever it is. And then uh, that way, if for some reason, you know, 20 years down the road, there's money there to clean it up. If somebody buys them at year 19, then we start the process over and we, 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 we do that. Um, what, what bothers me a lot uh, is, you know, Joe Biden wants to replace the 500-foot towers with 1,000-foot towers, right, which will even more hamper the boundary layer over the earth right and screw up our climate potentially so you know this is all about climate change but in fact it's actually screwing up our climate now i will tell you this is uh uh there is a guy and i can't remember exactly where he was that took these old blades because you can't recycle them and he cut them up and started using them for lightweight concrete you yeah. know in, in the uh and and i'm thinking okay there's got to be a way to start doing this uh, uh i i don't there's no question that the production is not worth what's going into them. The subsidies are so great. The tax credits are so great on these things that, I mean, shoot, you know, why wouldn't these guys do it? But, but I, I, I think that the, uh, the, the harm, the long-term harm we're going to see is far greater than, uh, than what's actually out there right now. And I would tell you, one of the first things I'd do is I'd say, okay, you dub, find something that, no kidding, can replace those, produce the same amount of energy that doesn't look like them and costs a fraction to actually actually built you know and uh you know i don't know i gotta believe there's some other technology but it kind of comes back down to our conversation about uh about competition right with all these subsidies there's no incentive for competition so as soon as you start drying some of those up particularly at the state level that's about the only thing we'd be able to do then it's like okay well now we can we can start getting better technology we can start having these guys compete we can start getting smaller or whatever it is and then uh uh to somehow uh uh, make these things actually worth what they're for. Again, I'm, if it's market-driven green energy, okay. Uh, but it's not. None of this is. Okay. Well, earlier you talked about using the kilowatt as a standard. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not sure what the total kilowatt output is from, from, the, from the daisies. Right. We, talk, we earlier, and I believe you also talked earlier, about the output from the coal power plants. Right. Uh, and, and that's kilowatts. I mean, that's right. easily tracked kilowatts. Right. I mean, um, I'll just say I, I work for a coal company here locally, and one of the things that you learn, or I learned in working for them, is that one ton of Powder River Basin coal, which is less than $15 a ton, is worth three barrels of oil. The liquids out of it are worth three barrels of oil. Yeah. And what's, what's the price for oil right now? 120 Yeah. You know? You can do the same things with sure coal can. liquids that you yeah. can do with right. chemicals, with, with yeah. petroleum. And per MCF, it's a whole different number. MCF? Uh, million thousand. cubic foot. Thousand cubic okay. feet. Thousand cubic feet. Thousand cubic feet. Yeah. yeah. 
of gas. So, I mean, how do we get back to a point where, because the history of coal is that Germany started doing, making all its fuels from it. You saw it probably in South Africa. You were talking about Elon Musk. You know, I mean, how do we get back to the point to where we can use coal for more than just thermal power? Well, I tell you, uh, one reason why things are the way they are with energy is because of the narrative that's out there, right? Right. And what we have to do is we have to start saying, okay, in every electric charger, any electric vehicle, this is how many uh, fossil fuels are actually used or how much fossil fuels are actually used to, to do this. You want to put electric chargers all the way up and down I-80? This is what the cost is, but this is what actually did it. Uh, you know, I, I think that I think that uh, uh, if we do get to a point uh, where I want anyway is to proportionally subsidize, proportionally tax, proportionally, you know, I'm 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 against any tax that in, in, impedes personal freedom. Okay, but when it comes down to looking at these things, okay, uh, uh, you know, particularly green energy, it's like okay, these guys aren't being taxed proportionally, right? And I know the whole green energy mob is going to be coming after me on this after this interview. That's okay. They love me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, we, we got these kids out there right now, or these young, the, gen, the millennials, the gen, gen Xs, Gen Zs, that are like, well, shoot, you know, there's nothing good about, about fossil fuels. And, you know, I think we all know that they're all renewable. It's just that some take longer than the others, right? Quite a bit longer. But I, I, think, I think it's, it's, it's a... It's a a dual approach. I think one, we have to change the narrative. We have to go out there and say, "Hey, Powder River Basin." I mean, that's the cleanest coal in the world. I mean, that's a massive coal field. This is what we're doing. We have to make sure these these people understand that. Look, what is actually going to power these power stations or whatever they're doing? You know, it's not these windmills that are these daisy chain windmills that are out there. I mean, it's the stuff that's coming out of the Powder River, right? You know, and and the same thing with petroleum. The same thing with gas. The same thing with fracking. Uh, and, and how important and how big of a deal and how, how you know, and this kind of comes down to what Tom's talking about is, hey, look, this is not, they're not bad. I mean, that's how this country, I mean, you know, ever since the mid-1890s, we've been the number one economy in the world. It wasn't until 2015 under Barack Hussein that, you know, we dropped off, you know, as number two. And we got to stay at top. We have to stay at top. But the only way to do that is keep our fossil fuels up. That's the only way to do it. I just saw a study where it showed that the United States has 200 years, 200 more years of, of oil. Mostly yeah. in the Bakken. Yeah, that's what yeah. we know of. It's yeah, got to be way more of. than that. Yeah. I, I'm going to shift gears on you completely, though. All right. One of the most nefarious forms of control and um, loss of sovereignty comes in the form of federal gun safety regulations and legislation. As governor, let's assume the Democratic Party gets what it wants, the assault weapons ban, the ban on standard magazines, you know the whole shebang. How do you protect the people of Wyoming from the federal government if that comes down? I say no. I just simply say no to it. I mean, we're not, I'm not, I would not, there's no way I would, I would uh, 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 support any sort of local law enforcement doing any of that, any, uh, uh, you know, being federalized to confiscate. Uh, here, here's, you know, there's, there's basically five checks and balance on the federal government, right? We got the ones that we know of, you know, the legislative, the executive, and the judicial, Okay. It's the states that form the federal government, right? Right. So they, they, that's where the sovereignty comes in. You know, as, hey, the states created the federal government. Now, unfortunately, 
because of the left and because of you know all these all these establishment Republicans. I mean, how, you know, how can you blame the left when it's kind of like how can you blame China for being you know trying to be a dominant power, and and for the rhinos that have allowed the federal government to grow unconstitutionally over all these years. And now they now and we really saw we really saw weaponization of of the DOJ under Bill Clinton. Right. And we're really seeing it now. OK, so I am concerned. But I will tell you this is that the fifth check is the people. All right. And and uh, the Second Amendment guarantees that and I, I can I can assure everybody in here. And I'm sure you guys already know that if we didn't have the Second Amendment written in our Constitution, that they would have been gone a long time ago. Uh, I'll tell you this is that, uh, you know, way back when our Constitution was initially being ratified, you needed nine of the 13. And at the time, we were very agreeing. Everybody had a firearm. I mean, for the most part, you know, except for some, some of the industrial areas up north. And, uh, and that's how you ate. That's how you did everything. And North Carolina said, nope, we're not doing it. We're not doing it unless you put something in there. So, of course, Jefferson, you know, the father or the, the author of our Constitution, and one of the reasons why uh, the left... Uh, goes after and tries to marginalize Jefferson so much um, uh, because he did write it. But he came up with three different versions, and, and the version we have right now is what's in there. And, uh, and I, thankfully, they did that. And, you know, I, I happened to, uh, a few years ago, I did a lecture in the oldest armory uh, in the nation. It's back in, uh, in Rhode Island. And, and the topic was uh, the history and the purpose of the Second Amendment. And you really have to go back about 900 years of the way the colonists were thinking, 900 years prior to that, when it comes down to parliamentary, monarchy, all these type of governments that you, you, know, you were referring to earlier. But bottom line is, is I know, I know what it's in there for. I know why it's in there. And I tell you what, if I found out that crap was going on in this state, man, I would. I, would I don't know. Out. I might have to take issue with that, though. I mean, because the Second Amendment, we often hear it's antiquated. And we have, yeah. there are other free democracies in the world that don't have a Second Amendment. And their rights are fine, like in Canada. I mean, like in the United Kingdom. Australia. Right. Never mind. I forget what my point New was. Zealand. <laughs> you left out New Zealand, too. That's right. That's right. I was wanting to hear the resolution to that. <laughs> well, I was waiting. I was waiting. Well, well Ken, and I, Ken um, I think when I was in here on Wednesday, you were talking about the fact that the Wyoming State Constitution has a requirement for a militia. Yep, it does. It's Article 17. And that, that militia is not to be confused with what's today called the National right. Guard. Right, and that's, that's where it gets misconstrued. Yeah. That's yep. exactly. I mean, the militia is the people. The, know, the Sheridan County GOP Platform Committee had a meeting this week, and that came up, and we have actually introduced that into the GOP platform. It'll come out in the county thing, and it'll come out in the state, pointing out that, hey, we've got a portion of the Wyoming Constitution that has been completely ignored. You know, back in 2000, they edited it, changed a couple of things. I think they changed the dates from 15 to 45 to from 17 to 70. But what are they talking about? We're not yep. talking about the National Guard, which is actually under federal control. We're talking about a militia, a state defense. I don't know that's, the words. That's, yeah, that's basically yeah. And a state defense organization under the direct control of the governor, of the governor. and nobody else. Right. That's right. So, well, and that's, that's, that's why when, when Dave asked the question about, you know, federalizing our, our guys, I, I mean, I tell you anything, I, am, I'm, I, I would be completely against federalizing these. I mean, it would have to be a, uh, you know, a, 
I, I don't even want to Well, they, about the time suppose. they cross the Platte River, we uh, might get a little excited. There's nothing yeah. radical about that idea either. When uh, DeSantis talked about doing it in Florida, across yeah. mainstream meetings all over him, he wants brown shirts, he's a Nazi, and it yeah. turns out yeah. a whole bunch of states already have these. Yes. That's right. I think 22 yeah, yeah. or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have two more things for you. One of them is the easy one. Somebody is interested, maybe they like what they've heard, maybe they don't like what they've heard, and they want to let you know about it. Okay. How does somebody get a hold of you? Well, they can go up to brentbn.com. That's just B-R-E-N-T-B-I-E-N.com. Uh, that's my website. We just launched it about two weeks ago. Uh, they can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram, at uh, brentbn. And um, that's, that's the best way to do it. Phone number's on there, uh, address, or post office box, et cetera. The last one's a little tougher. Okay. Is there anything that we have not covered that you've got to get off your chest? Related to politics. Get <laughs> <laughs> a special message from my wife. <laughs> Be home for dinner, honey. The, 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 the dog she, wasn't my fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, my, uh, my wife's been fantastic in all of this. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd say to the folks is that... <clears throat> You know, none of our material possessions matter if we're not free, okay? Because if we're not free, we don't own them, all right? Uh, and, and that does have a lot to do, uh, uh, and that's why freedom is so important, and that's why I'll go to the mat for it and for the folks of this state. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and with that, naturally, we need to get our house in order uh, here, in, here in, in, in Wyoming because, because before we can open our aperture, aperture and form a more perfect union we have to get wyoming squared away okay and there's a lot of stuff that we can do and a lot of some of these are easy fixes it's just it's just you know right now we've got a bunch of cows and no cowboy okay and uh it's like hey let's 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 go you know let's get this thing rolling you know and it's all about the people it's all about the people of the state 